How did the HBCU prospects perform at this year's NFL Combine? Well, they all had some standout traits of their own. And Benedict knocks off Savannah State in the latest chapter of this rivalry when the stakes were at their highest. Oh, yeah. It's Locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked on HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On HBCU Podcast, your number one daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU Athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's episode is brought to you by Stat Hero. They are reshaping the way that you play fantasy sports. Dozens of house-based games to play daily, no sharks, no funky props, just your skill versus the lineups that you choose. Sign up today at stathero.com slash locked on. And I, of course, am Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports editor. Thank you for going on this journey with me, making Locked On HBCU your first listen of the day every day. And we had four players who went to the, HB, who went to the NFL Combine from the HBCU ranks. <clears throat> and we had one offensive lineman. We had a triumvirate of defensive backs, two cornerbacks, one safety, right? So we're going to break it down. We previewed these guys. I'm talking about Joshua Williams out of Fayetteville State. Jatire Carter out of Southern, who really, I really think he had a, a really good showing. And we're going to touch on him in a second. We had Marquise Bell out of FAMU and Jacoby Durant out of South Carolina State, who we're going to touch on in the following segment. <clears throat> but first, we're going to detail, we're going to detail Jatire Carter. And then we're going to talk about Joshua Williams, because I thought that Carter had an interesting performance because with his performance, he's different. He's an offensive lineman. The things that you look for are different. They're grouped in on the defensive back ranks, right? You're looking for the same thing, hips, you know, foot speed, back pedal. You know, all those things are pretty much the same. They went through the same drills, essentially. But Carter's like the outlier, and he's different from everybody else. And I think he took this time to be different, and I think he took that time to show out because he's a guy who has been projected to have some versatility. He's a guy who they think can be an offensive guard as well as an offensive tackle in the NFL. And I think what he did was he showed that he can handle himself at either position. And he had a 92.3 pass block uh, grade as far as PFF goes. And that's top in the FCS. And that's one of the best things that you could have. So coming in, I don't think there was any question about who was he going to be in his kick steps? You know, how was he going to be in his pass sets, things of that nature? I already knew he was going to excel in the pass block drills. That's not shocking. But what I was looking for was how does he how does he perform in run block drills? Obviously, none of this is run block. And he's a, he's a big guy, long arm, big hands, too. Right. So he's a mauler kind of guy who if he gets their hands on you, you're not going anywhere. He's, he's a big, strong guy. You know, but I want to see how did he move. And I thought he moved well. I thought he moved well. Lance Zerline said some things about his mobility, but then also said that maybe getting out of his stance was a little bit not, not the best quality. But I thought that once he got out and he started moving, I thought he looked well. And those, those mobility drills were things that I thought he did well as far as pulling and running and getting out in space. And you had to redirect. So when you ran at the guy, you had to say, did he say go right or go left? I thought he did well in those drills. But then I think more than anything else, his feet. His feet were good. 
And I separate the two between feet and mobility because, yeah, your feet can help your mobility, but it's not everything. And when I want to talk about his feet, I mean the way they move, right? I mean the precision with which they move. And there was a couple of drills in which he had to slide. I want to highlight one specifically. There was one where he had to slide and he was basically, he kick-stepped, so he hopped out into his pass stance. He had to carry a pad, which was essentially the defender, right? And he had to carry them down to the left and then redirect. To me, that was a good way to test or look at how he would move if he had to handle stunts. So if he's on the inside or if he's on the outside, maybe he's washing down a, a, a defensive end, and then a defensive tackle tries to pull around. Well, you have to redirect now because you have to let go of your guy and come over. So I thought he showed himself extremely capable in that drill, and I thought that was one of his best drills of the day. So when he got to running, he did that well, and he was sliding well. And basically everything that he had to do with his feet, because it's not just about your hands like we talked about. We talked about how his hands are big, his hands are strong, all of those things last week on Friday. But when he got here, he showed that his feet match. His feet can handle the things with his hands. So I didn't think he got over his stance too much. I thought he had a pretty good showing, and his highlight feature was the feet. So now let's get into Joshua Williams, who is a cornerback out of Fayetteville State. And immediately the first thing that jumps to mind, and I hate to have to jump off seeing pessimistic because I actually thought he had a good day, but the first thing that jumps to mind, and I'm sure his mind too, is the fact that his 40-yard dash is not what he wanted to be. What I wanted to be out of the way. But when he ran his second 40-yard dash, you could tell that he clapped his hands in frustration. And it wasn't a situation of just, I, I'm just not that fast. See, people who, who have 4-6 speed and they run a 4-6, they don't sit there and clap their hands in frustration. But people who feel like they can run a 4-3 and run a 4-5-3, they clap their hand in frustration. So it's not a situation of, man, that's not a good time. It's, an, it's not a good time because I feel like I can do better. So I know that Williams is sitting there thinking like, man, I should have ran better. He said he wanted to run in the four threes. And because of his track background, people believed it. That athleticism that four three comes with, they felt they saw they saw on film. And you can throw the, the combine away because the combine is something that confirms film. And you might hear me say that again during this show. But combines confirm film. You look at traits. Oh, yes, I see the explosiveness. I see the long speed. You know, it can it can do things like that. But the, the speed, it, it wasn't there, right? It was four, five, three, and it's not a bad time. But at the same time, he felt he could do better. His highlight was his field work. When he got on the field work, he's 6'3". And the connotation with a 6'3 guy is a lot of times that they just don't move as fluid as sometimes some of these smaller guys. You know, there's just a lot more room for them to have to eat up, right? So, but he was able to flip his hips. He flipped his hips. And I ain't gonna lie, Shakira would have been proud, right? Because the way he moved his hips as a 6'3 cornerback was much better than the run was bad, right? So that's the reason I don't think he needs to hold his head is because if the run was bad, right, if people felt like the run knocked him, first off, you can click on the tape and you can see that, oh, he's not a 4-5-3 guy. He, he moved, or at least he moves with athleticism. Who cares what the time is on the 40? I don't care. Most times you're going to be changing direction anyway. You're going to be starting and stopping. You're not, there's not many times you're going to run 40 yards straight. You know, you might have a go route or whatever that you have to cover. But other than that, there's going to be a lot of start and stop and redirecting things of that nature. But you can always just look at the film to see how he plays these things. But just take out the film. I believe that his field work and his ability to flip his hips, the fluidity with his hips that D'Angelo Hall even praised for a cornerback of his size is higher on the good scale than the 40-yard dash of a 4-5-3 will be higher on the bad scale. You know, So that's where I look at it. I think it just outweighs it. 
So we're going to go forward and we're going to continue talking about these trio of, of defensive backs with Marquise Bell and Jacoby Durant. And they set the world on fire. I thought they had some really good numbers that's going to bring a lot of eyes towards them. But first, I want to tell you about Bet Online because betonline.net is the number one place for all of your wagering needs. Okay. Because football season is over. And I know that's a, that's king in, in, the, in the American landscape, right? But at the same time, you have professional and you have collegiate basketball in full steam. March Madness is here, right? We're in March. March Madness is here. The pro game is going. Jason Tatum just, just dropped 50 on the Nets on national TV, right? You could have wagered what was going to be the over-under. I wonder what the over-under was before that game for JT because he's been on fire lately. But you have all of those things in betonline.net. So don't worry about one sport's gone. There's so many more that you can choose from. The NCAA World Series is coming up. You can bet on that. And they also just released their odds for MVP of the NBA season. They released their odds for MVP of the NFL season. That's ways away. But then you also have the AP Top 10's odds going into the NCAA tournament. There are so many things that you can do on betonline.net. And that's why they're the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports. BetOnline where the game starts. And I was just telling you about Bet Online and how they have the March Madness. Well, if you want to do a bracket of your own, there's no better place to start other than run your pool. Listen, you want to go with the usual or you want to go with the best? See, most people I ask that question to would say the latter, and that's your choice. Then runyourpool.com is the place to go. And here at Locked On, we trust it so much that we're going to run our own brackets there. And you're, you're invited, right? Use runyourpool.com slash locked on. Come on, join. I, I enjoy beating you or, or seeing you, know, whatever. But <laughs> I enjoy seeing you there. We can all play together. Join our bracket, right? They have a lot of individual or unique things, such as Survivor. You know, you can change the scoring options. And my favorite part is that they give you details to help you make these picks. These are all things that you don't get on ESPN or CBS. You know, you don't want to just play with us. You can go and make your own bracket for the office, for your family, anybody. I encourage you to do so. Use the promo code Pure Madness and get $10 off at checkout. And if you want to play with us, come to runyourpool.com slash locked on. Thank you again for making Locked On HBCU your first listen of the day every day. Make sure that you're checking out the Bracket Breakdown Show March 14th. You're going to be able to catch it here on our YouTube channel, Locked On HBCU, and also in our streams. All right, you're going to have Chris Gordy, Andy Patton, and Lee Sterling giving you in-depth breakdown on all of these matchups. So this is exactly what you need to have, right? And today's word of the day is going to be milieu, right? It is a physical or social setting in, in which something occurs or develops is basically synonymous with the word environment. But we're going to continue talking about this NFL combine. We're in a testing, we're in a measurement milieu, right? Something that's surrounded about measurements. And I want to talk about Marquise Bell first because he's a guy who I believe, I believe has been overlooked a little bit. But when you come out there and you run a 4-4-1, oh, that overlooking is gone. I've seen, I seen a lot of people talk about him. And I finally, I finally saw the emotion and the excitement around Marquise Bell that I saw months ago. And I don't know what happened. I do not know what happened. I don't know how people started feeling, but they started bringing up, man, his, his tape versus Southern Florida was great. This is the guy who was supposed to go to Maryland. And then he ended up going to JUCO and he went to FAMU, right? So 
he had this talent that the power five conferences that everybody praises and everybody says, oh, well, this is where the best talent goes. We well, had that talent level. So that was it was never about that. And now he went to FAMU and he led one of the best defenses in the FCS. And I feel like with that 4-4-1, people had their eyes open. But then another thing that he showed was the explosion. Yeah, he had the long speed, but now he showed his explosion. This was the standout thing about him, in my opinion, was just the fact that he showed, I believe, better measurements than people, than people expected. So let's look at his numbers specifically, because I want to get these directly right. So in the vertical, he, ran, he jumped a 36 and a half. That tied for fifth amongst all safeties. In the broad jump, he jumped to 10-3, which tied for fourth amongst all safeties. Now, it's one thing to say that a player is explosive. It's one thing to say that, oh, he has explosive uh, talents or capabilities, right? But when you start saying you're one of the most explosive, one of the most anything, that's a positive thing, right? Now, once you start saying you're one of the most, now you start climbing amongst your peers. Oh, you might jump this guy. Or, hmm, let's take another look at him as opposed to other safeties because, yes, there is a part of it of the draft stock that's just about how good you are. But then it's also, well, we need safeties. You're the third best safety. So while I might not want to draft a safety until, I don't know, 75, I'm just throwing out a number here. Don't, this doesn't mean anything. You're the third best safety. So now your stock's going to be pushed up to top 50, things like that. So once you start saying that, now you start comparing him against his peers, and it's like, okay, maybe we're gonna push him up against a guy who I'm not gonna say any names, but maybe we're gonna push him up, push him above another guy. And I think those are the things that really stood out for him. And one of the things that people talked about was his ability to maybe not play in multiple coverages. Talks about him being a, a box safety. Y'all know how I feel about that. I think I'm one of the only people who is not. I don't even like using the term box safety, right? I like saying strong safety still, but people use it. But y'all know how I feel about it. I have no problem with that at all. But I think in the field drill, he was able to show his hips and he was able to turn, show his ability to turn and run. And that, that goes into dropping in the coverage. And he tracked the ball well. Of course, all these things have to go down on film. But I thought that Marquise Bell was a guy who showed himself and really improved his stock. Not just showed himself, but he really improved his stock going into the draft in April and maybe brought some eyes back to him of, and who's this guy running 441? You know, that's faster than a lot of guys. It's faster than a lot of guys at 441. Um, a lot of guys that people were excited about too. And now you're like, okay, let's go look at him again. And when you look at his film, I believe that you'll see a player that you're gonna want to add to your team. Personally, I'm hoping he gets added to my team. You know, I'm hoping that the Saints gonna pick him up. You know, I can say that because I'm wearing a shirt, I ain't even trying to hide it, but you know, I can say that. But now I want to go into the last guy, the Kobe Durant. Another guy who I wouldn't mind the Saints picking up. Honestly, I wouldn't mind the Saints picking up any of these guys. But that's neither here nor there. That's what my guy Ross on Locked On Saints. Make sure you're checking him out because he, he's he been talking about these guys for a while. And specifically, um, Bell and Williams. Now I want to talk about Durant. I know I said that the film is all that really mattered. But put that aside for right now. Put that thought process aside. Because for the Kobe Durant, cornerback out of South Carolina State, the film is the film. We see it. But the reason he's being knocked down is he's 5'10". So because the measurements are what knocked him down, now I want to look at the measurements to bring him back up. He ran a 4'38". He ran a 4'38". If I'm not mistaken off the top of my head, I know it's top 10. It might be top 5, top 7 as far as cornerbacks go. That 4'38 was blazing. And the reason it's important is because he's showcasing the athleticism that's required at the nickel position that people are trying to put him at. And let's just be honest. He's probably going to be a nickel corner. 
He's 5'10", the outside, the boundary that he's used to playing. It's not many 5'10 corners who play out there. But you can get in the action as a, as a slot corner, and he's never been one to shy away from physicality. I've seen, I'm seen, I've seen him be a willing tackler. You know, it's a difference between being a willing tackler and a great tackler. But I know he's definitely willing. We'll see on the next level how good of a tackler he, he is. But I know he's a willing tackler. And with Durant, I feel like showing that he could have that athleticism to be that position, that boosted up his stock because, yes, it knocked down. One thing about knocking it down is it sounds like, oh, well, yeah, I mean, he can't play outside corner. I guess we'll put him on inside. But that nickel position is important. That nickel position, that nickel cornerback, is basically a base starter at this point. With the expansion of the passing game and the increase in skilled wide receivers, you're seeing more and more players or more and more cornerbacks being on the field at once. You know, you look at, like I just said about the Saints, you look at Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, he's our nickel cornerback. He's an integral part of the defense. He plays basically every down. He's somebody who's always in there. So the nickel corner is not a position that is lacking importance. So while you say his draft stock may have been pushed down because of his height, once he gets to the league, his importance won't be. That's not something that you have to be concerned with as far as a nickel corner not being important. And people think he might outplay his draft position at a position like nickel corner. Yeah, you're going to be involved at all times. So I don't think that it's a situation where you need to sit there and be stressed about him. And I look at it, Carter, he was able to show his good feet. Williams was able to show his hips, the fluidity in his hips for a guy of his size. I thought Bell was able to surprise some with his long, with his long speed and explosion. And then Durant was able to show the athleticism required to play on that inside, which is something that he wanted to, or that the league wants him to do rather, right? So those are all things that they were able to do to excel in their own individual ways. That's the reason why I say the combine was a success for all of our HBCU prospects. And going forward, I want to tell you about Savannah State because these, these, are, these ladies, I'm talking about the ladies side, right? These ladies had a fantastic historic season. But unfortunately, it did not end well. It ended with another loss to Benedict College. They hated rival for a second time this year. Now, going forward, I want to tell you about Stat Hero because it's March Madness time. And honestly, I can't remember the last time that I went deep into a bracket. I can't remember the last time that I won any money within my bracket. But I'm hedging my bets this year, right? So I have Stat Hero. And I think that Stat Hero can help me because they have single game pickups. Whew. You know, you know how much pressure that is taken off of me. That it's just a single game pick them, and I don't have to sit here and be like, man, I hope I get all of these games right or my brackets busted. You know, single game pick them, and they also have situations where you can choose a lineup. They have your lineup of players that you're going to go against. You say, I want to go against those guys, and then from there, you just pick your lineup and you get those together. And I think that it's just so many benefits that come with it y'all know how look my people know how i hate the handicappers take your control back don't let the handicappers control you right so stat hero gives an advantage in four times more winners into the average end of it because four times more winners the only thing that i need to know you're telling me that four times or this this place produces four times more winners than other places well i want to win this is where i want to be stat hero and listen Sign up for free right now at stathero.com slash locked on using the promo code locked on for a hundred percent deposit match. That's stathero.com slash locked on to use and use the promo code locked on for a hundred percent match. Stathero.com slash locked on using the promo code locked on. What are you doing, man? Now I also want to tell you, I also want to tell you about Built Bar because Built Bar is the best protein bar on the market 
bar none, it's the Swiss Army knife, right? I had one. I was going to the gym the other day, and I popped me in one of them blueberry muffins. Had one of the best workouts I had in a long time, and I needed it because I hadn't been to the gym in a while, right? So I needed that that I needed that bonus. I needed that extra, and that that's what it added. Blueberry muffin. I said, man, I could give you another one. I need me another one, right? And blueberry muffin is my personal favorite flavor. So you have that going to the gym. If I just wanted to have a snack, I could have had that too. It has 17 grams of protein, four grams of sugar, and four net carbs in addition to be covered in chocolate. And here's the thing. You think it's not going to be tasty because it's a protein bar. They have marshmallows covered in chocolate. They have marshmallows covered in chocolate. That's delicious. And it still has all of those same benefits. Still has the less amount of sugar and less amount of net carbs than you're going to get from other bars. Built Bar is the place that you need to be. Built.com, use the promo code LOCK15 and get 15% off your offer. All right, as we're wrapping up today's episode of Locked On HBCU, Benedict College and Savannah State write another chapter of their robbery with Benedict College coming up on top. And this one's going to sting heavily because you could tell there was no love lost. Oh, this is going to be a game that Savannah State remembers for a while. And the reason I say there's no love lost is because I've been sitting here creating some, some sort of a rivalry, but I haven't been able to watch these games like in person or anything like that or feel the crowd, feel the environment when these two teams play. And sometimes you have like media rivalries. Like I don't think that Peyton and Tom hate each other. They're competitors, so, you know, they're, they're not, they don't love each other on the field or anything, but I don't think that they actually hate each other. That's more of a media-driven rivalry, right? But you look at a situation like Josh Norman versus Odell Beckham Jr., that ain't, that ain't media-created. Those guys really went at it on the field. And sometimes you have to see it because it's a competitive rivalry, and it's a these two teams don't like each other rivalry. This is a ladder. This is the ladder, excuse me. And – Watching this, there's a couple of situations that made me say that. Number one, after the game, now let's go in chronological order because I thought the one after the game was the most telling, but I want to go in chronological order. So when Makira Johnson Kelly knocked down the icing free throws because Benedict was up two, we're going to get to that second in a second, but then also they knocked down two free throws with basically four seconds left, less than four seconds left to go up four. That was basically it. She waved a real quick goodbye to the, to the Savannah State team. Okay, whatever. Then you get to the uh, after the game, Coach Rice lines up Benedict to go shake hands. Savannah State is nowhere to be seen. You see Coach Rice throw his hands up like, all right, well, I see how it is. Let's celebrate then. Then we celebrate. Then Savannah State comes out to accept their second place. And Benedict's all on the side waving by. Now, this time it's not just one player. It's the whole team waving by. And I swear, they didn't have a sound on. But I swear, reading lips, I heard, nah, 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 nah. Na 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 na, hey hey hey, goodbye. Don't mind my singing, all right. But I wasn't gonna finish. I was committed to getting the tune out. <laughs> but I swear that that's what I saw. I didn't hear it because the sound wasn't on, not on my TV. But they just didn't have a sound on them. But I swear that's what I read, and it does not seem like these two teams like each other at all. I knew that Savannah State just wasn't having success against Benedict. And I don't know, maybe it's because the only team to beat them this year was Benedict and they did it twice. I have no clue. But these two teams do not like each other. That was very clear. There's no love lost. 
I love it though. <laughs> I love it. I love a good rivalry. I, you know, because now it's things that next time they play, you can call back to that. You can see how that's going to happen, you know, or how that's going to transpire going forward, you know, but in this milieu, this meal you, right? We're trying to get our word of the day, and that's just a funny word off the top of the tongue. But in this meal you, there was no sitting there and saying, Yeah, let's go ahead and shake hands. No, this was a this was an environment where everything was heated, everything was passionate. And you could see the effects of that on Savannah State, man. Now I want to tell you how this game ended because in a game this close, obviously it was decided in the third and fourth quarter. And I felt like after a strong second quarter by Savannah State, Benedict decided to change their defense. And in doing that, they found a lot of success. Benedict was able to score points, obviously. That's how they were to come back because they were down at halftime. They were leading that in the first half or in the first quarter, which is the first time Savannah State all year had been trailing at the end of the first quarter. But Savannah bounced back with a strong second quarter, and they were able to, to have the lead at halftime. For that point, they got outscored in each of the quarters. They were able to hold on to a lead in the third quarter because Benedict changed their, their defense up and Savannah State stopped being able to score. They were on a 13-2 run. Benedict went on a 13-2 run and it ended up being answered because Savannah State is still a quality team. It's not like they got ran away from. This was close. And Savannah responded with a run of their own at 11-6. So they were able to close out the quarter on an 11-6 run and it felt like, okay, they've got their groove back. They're back and they are situated. That was not the case. Because the fourth quarter started well for Savannah. But defense, 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 defense. And at the six and a half quarter mark or six and a half minute mark in the fourth quarter, all scoring ceased for Savannah State. For five minutes, they didn't make a bucket. They didn't make a free throw. They just struggled and they could not get anything done. And they weren't, they weren't able to penetrate because they were in more of a zone. They weren't, in, they weren't able to penetrate. When they did, they weren't making shots, obviously. And then also... They weren't able to shoot from outside. So no matter what they did, they just were not able to make buckets. Meanwhile, they were playing decent defense, in my opinion. But Benedict was making all these tough shots, and the balls were bouncing their way. You know, it just felt as time went on, same day time. Savannah State had a historic season, but this is not their time. And it wasn't. And it was tough because you end up coming back, you tied it up at 67, and you had a shot for a layup, and it was just missed. And it was a shot. And it was a good look. It was a good look. One that you feel like they should have been able to make. And if you make that, you might go to, I don't know, you might go to overtime. Benedict still had enough time on the clock to go and try to get their own score. But, man, that was a rough way to end it. Because you you had such, such struggle, such trouble scoring for five minutes. You got no buckets, no points for five minutes. So then when you finally start rolling, you get a shot that was relatively easy, a really good look, and you miss it. It's like, it was heartbreaking. You could tell. I felt it for him. You know, I've been sitting here talking about Savannah State for a long time. I felt that for them. But at the end of the day, Benedict was the better team. The season isn't over for either one of these squads because Benedict, obviously, or excuse me, Benedict gets the automatic bid for the D2 tournament. And then Savannah State, with the success that they had, they had a great season. They only lost two games all year. They got an at-large bid, but they have to go up against the number one seed. So it's very difficult, but we will be watching their progress. Meanwhile, Benedict gets the number six seed and has to go, or Benedict has to go against the number three seed, excuse me. So neither one of these teams are over as far as the season goes, and neither one of these teams are over it as far as the rivalry goes. I'm excited for it. 
This was a game in which you could tell there was no love lost. The blood was boiling. The temperature was high. And then also on, on the court, you could tell these two teams are evenly matched squads. There's a reason that Benedict is the only team to be able to knock off Savannah. I'm glad that we were able to get this and it culminated in a championship game. And Benedict is your 2022 SEAC Women's Basketball Champions. They earned that. They were the better team, and they knocked off Savannah State. We'll see what they're both able to do in the tournament going forward as they're also joined by Lincoln University coming out the CIAA. Thank you for making Locked On HBCU your first listen of the day. Every day in tomorrow's episode, we're going to go look into, we're not done with women's basketball. We're going to go look into the historic season of Jackson State women's basketball. They have been absolutely dominant since swipe play has started. Now, for your second listen, make sure you're checking out Locked On NFL Draft because you have Eric Crocker, former NFL cornerback, and Ryan Tracy giving you everything that you need for the draft. It's in April, but it's going to take a while to get yourself educated. Please do not wait. Go listen to Locked On NFL Draft right now. And in the meantime, in between time, you can find me on that blue app, that bird, yes, Twitter, at South Exclusives. Until the next time that we hear each other, family, take care, stay blessed. Peace.